Again, I make mention uh, for the third straight podcast, I worked the Big Ten title game with Tiki Barber. They had nowhere near the dynamic pass game. How much of that was Olave not being there against Northwestern? How much of it is Northwestern's defense is pretty good? How much of it was Justin Fields' thumb was maybe bothering him? I saw none of that, Brian, in person at Lucas Oil Stadium in the Big Ten title game. But my Lord, did they unload the arsenal with him throwing the ball especially deep in this game with Clemson. So let me let me uh, take it to now next Monday night as we start to look at this game. Does that give you some belief that they can do some of that to Alabama? Because Florida threw on Alabama. Does it give you some belief that the Ohio State we saw in the Sugar Bowl can do some of that and hang in with the Tide? Oh, yeah. Look, if, if Ohio State play, you know, Fields had the game of his life, and the, the fact that he did it when you know he was in so much agony. I mean, I'm sure he got some sort of shot at halftime, but, I mean, just – all the props in the world to him. No, no, I don't think you can overstate how brilliant he was uh, in that game. And Trey Sermon, how much money has that dude made the last eight quarters of football? My gosh, he just <laughs> looks like a grown man among boys. And uh, look, let's be let's be clear on this: if Ohio State plays like they played against Clemson, they're going to win this game. Mm. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to duplicate that performance, however. And, and I would leave a little wiggle room that Alabama could score a touchdown on every possession and still win if Ohio State's offense played that way. But their defense played great as well. Um, with all that said, um, you know, like I, I literally remember the cameras like being on Devontae Smith and maybe Najee or maybe Mac Jones as the game ended. And they're just like, you know, they're just kind of like walking off the field, like whereas – you know, Ohio State, it was a huge celebration, and I get it. You know, it was a huge revenge win, and Dabo had kind of, you know, ruffled their feathers. I get all that, but, you know, Alabama was just like, you know, it's like they were putting for par, you know, and, they're, you know, they, they got other things. <laughs> they weren't doing any celebrating the or anything, phrase, you know what I mean? The so, phrase that I'm thinking when you're saying that is, act like you've been there before, and they've been there right. before a bunch. And that's, that's what they acted right. like, especially from – a Najee Harris and a Devontae Smith that have been there over and over and over again in these big games. That's your point. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and look, I'm not ready to predict the, predict the game one way or the other because I want to I wanna know more about Jalen Waddle. And, and I've had rib injuries before, and I want to know more about Fields because I know the, the last time I had rib injuries, I mean, I was still, still in agony, rolling over in bed or sneezing three, four months later. Right. And I, I mean, I would think he's going to be in way worse shape in the next month than he was that night in New Orleans. And, you know, whether they can give him a shot and he can suck it up again, you know, but he obviously showed us he can do that. So maybe it won't be a factor. Uh, it is a revenge game for Alabama after having been beaten different players and a different coaching staff at Ohio State with Ryan Day now running it instead of Urban Meyer. But it's a revenge for Alabama from the first college football playoff when Ohio State beat them and went on to win the national title uh, against Oregon. Uh, so now you have this in Miami. And, uh, and we should make mention at Hard Rock Stadium, I was there, I've made mention uh, previously here, I think last week, I was there in 2013, BCS title game, when Alabama just rocked Notre Dame's world for the title. They have a good experience uh, from having been in, uh, in South Florida for one of these championship games. Again, different players, that was A.J. McCarron and Eddie Lacy and Amari Cooper and, and some others on the defensive side of the ball, Dante Hightower and others. Um, but let's just see what happens there uh, for Monday. 
um, for this. Uh, just one more on all the variables. We know Steve Sarkeesian took the Texas job. A, uh, what's, your, what's your take on that? They, they fired Tom Herman, owing him $20 million. They hire Sarkeesian. Give me the take on that. And then how do you think, if it does, this affects Alabama and the offensive game plan and the play calling and all of that come next Monday night? We've seen so many scenarios like this. I mean, how it's happened in Alabama like five or six times. I mean, we've seen the bad end of it, which the the ideal one was when Chris Winkie uh, was was the Heisman winner and Mark Rick took the Georgia job. I know I'm going way back here, but Mark Rick took took the Georgia job. He stayed to coach the Knowles, and they got bageled. I mean, it was 13-2 to two was the final, but that was because the Oklahoma long snapper snapped a punt over the head. <laughs> but then we've seen you know, it work out fine. You know, Bob Pelini was going to Nebraska in 07, and he still coached the defense for LSU. They smashed Ohio State. I mean, we've seen scenarios. And then there was Kiffin coached the Washington game, and then Saves told him to just kick rocks. <laughs> and I think he gave over the play call to start then. So we've seen Saban uh, do it and handled it fine. Uh, but we'll, see, well, the offense was fine. They did lose one of those games to Clemson uh, and Deshaun Watson. But we've seen it work both ways. So, I mean, I think that Alabama will probably be be fine uh, on that. And, look, if they get Jalen Waddell back, that's just another weapon, and it makes their offense such insanity. And the, and the Kiffin comparison is interesting because what infuriated Saban was that Kiffin had been gone uh, at that time. Uh, taking the head coaching job at Florida Atlantic and and had not been at practices and then was just basically out of it on game night because he was calling plays that they had not worked on. And, and that's what Saban was infuriated about. And even in the Washington win, a decisive win, uh, he just saw that disconnect and said, you're, you're calling things we haven't worked on here, and you can't expect them to suddenly click and, and work. Call the ones that we have worked on that you were supposed to be keeping track of. I don't know. I think Sarkeesian has probably learned from that because he was on the staff, like you mentioned, and he got installed for that title game. So we'll, we'll see how that part works, but it, it's another distraction. And he also dealt with it, as you know, Brian, when Kirby Smart left and took the Georgia job, but he stuck around and coached as well. So it, this is not the first rodeo for Nick Saban uh, to deal with that. One more on the line, and again, you don't... You're not making a commitment now as we release Three Dog Thursday, the game on Monday night. Do you believe the line is where it should be at around eight or nine points? We were talking about that last week. It opened up at like seven and a half midweek again a few days before the game. And I think a lot of it is the uncertainty on the injury to Fields and can he play and blah, blah, blah. Is the line about where you think it should be right now as we release this podcast? Um, I, I think in the seven, eight range, uh, is fair. You know, if I thought fields was a hundred percent and, you know, the ribs weren't bothering him and that Waddle wasn't going to play or be much of a factor, I'd probably say seven is the right line. Um, but with, you know, with the COVID potential and, you know, the initial report from the AL.com guys was that it was potentially a, a whole position group. Now, what does that mean? Three defensive tackles, or, or does that mean, you know, five O linemen? So, yeah, we, there's so many variables that we're, we're unsure about. It may not know until within an hour of the game. But, uh, you know, gen, I mean, look, because of those variables, I'm probably going to be leaning Alabama, especially if it's seven and a half. I can buy the half point to seven. Um, but we'll see. I, yep. I have, I'm not. Stay tuned. Yeah. A lot more to still learn here, including Fields' status, which, again, we likely aren't going to know uh, how hurt he is or isn't. We will find out 
uh, in the, let in me, the coming days. Let me days. draw one more, TJ. Yeah, sure. Uh, Alabama in the first half this year have covered eight in a row, and they're 10-2, and two, and this Alabama minus four spread in the first half, or some books may be four and a half or five. That is their lowest first half spread of the year. And you've been all over that. I mean, week after week, you were saying it before the SEC title game. You were saying it before the Notre Dame game. Be all over Alabama on the first half lines because they usually get rolling in the second uh, quarter. Of course, the second quarter is where Ohio State kicked it into gear against Clemson. Uh, Again, this ain't Clemson. This ain't Notre Dame. We'll see what they can do with Alabama or can't do in this one. 